Thanks for tuning in to Jin and Tantra. In this episode, we continue our discussion on Esther Perel and get into how the causes and conditions of one's life affect who you are. We also highlight the importance of one's spiritual tribe, energy coming before form, the affairs of affairs, body image, and sexual education. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Jen and Tantra, spirituality with a twist. The podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese medicineism, <laughs> and all of the other isms we've been influenced by, and blends them into a tall, crisp, cool cocktail. Your spirit has been longing for. I want you to get together. Now isn't that refreshing? I want you to get together. Hey fellow GNT here, those of us like our spirituality with a twist. So we're continuing now with like the end part of our Esther Perel kind of reaction video. You know, you watch every. Have you ever seen any of these reaction videos, Daniel? Has yeah, I was going to say we're not doing that. that. That's definitely what we're not doing. <laughs> just listen to her talk and just make faces into the camera. It's so fucking ridiculous. I don't. I, I mean, essentially, all of all of modern news today is a reaction video. I guess that's true. Mm -hmm. It's it, they it's don't. True. They're not giving a whole lot of insight. Like journalism and news are not. They're no longer parallel. I sometimes watch like this is American stuff for American uh, viewers, not our international folks, but maybe it is. I sometimes will watch the Young Turks or I'll sometimes watch Breaking Points occasionally. You watch any of that kind of stuff? I have seen them in the past. I don't really watch too much anymore. There's a couple. Advice. I don't disagree. <laughs> there's a couple independent journalists who I quite like. You know, they're, they're supported by like Patreon and, you know, you whatever. Like, this is um, like nothing to do with this episode, but who do yeah, you Yeah, like so we'll just keep here? moving. You don't want to do it? No. Nah. <laughs> you know you're probably right to be honest these things should be kept uh more exactly. on the qt anyways yeah. sorry audience sorry we, we we got we you know when you start out in a rabbit hole i i apologize you know it just yeah, the real truth of it is like there is this thing of like well i say this person people might hate them i say this other person people might hate them too i'm going to avoid the whole subject matter yeah of tweaking um, people on this thing you're not wrong but I will well played, say, sir. Well played. That if, is the right way. If to people that. are interested in in knowing, you know, some some people who I who I like and you know maybe who Eric might like, um, you know, feel free to hit us up ginandtantra at gmail.com or you know leave comments wherever uh, or in, on the Instagram too, and uh, I'll, I'll be happy to provide that with you. But I, I'm not. I don't want to plug people unless they're actively part of what we're doing. You know, in that way. That's also part two. Yeah. Also well handled again. The minute those people come on this thing, then they'll <laughs> <laughs> right. Don't disagree. That's why you can talk about Bobby T all the time. He's been out here twice. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I was just putting it out there just because of the whole idea of like we're trying to like present Esther Perel. And what we talked about a little bit last week is that she's kind of a perfect person because yeah, you know, she's trying to help all kinds of people. And uh, you know, she has a lot of like relationship counseling stuff, you know, uh, for people who are kind of dealing with their marriages and, you know, 
uh, but she's also a little edgy, <laughs> which is good for us. And we're right at the point where we're going to be talking about things that maybe are a little bit more taboo. We're going to be talking about more taboo things going forward. So today we'll do like a little bit of what we were doing, talk a little about taboo, finish up this Esther Perel thing. So we have a full docket at GNT for the day. Um, as per uh, what we were talking about last time, uh, <clears throat> I wanted to throw this out, Daniel. We were talking about this a little bit pre-show. You know, you're talking about wanting to do a series on egolessness and <clears throat> saltlessness and things like that. Yeah. And um, sorry, my voice is a little funky today. But, um, uh, you know, one of the reasons why this is so important, and I was writing this to somebody uh, kind of close to my heart recently about this idea of, uh, uh, you know, he, we're in in a Asian philosophical point of view, we're kind of in some ways selfless in the sense of we don't have a definitive self, you know? And so the, the causes and conditions of your life, this is kind of like the Buddhist or Asian philosophy part mm -hmm. of this. They're going to have an impact, big impact on who you are. Mm -hmm. so, you know, here you're exposed to and all that and it comes from this point of view of like recognizing selflessness that in a certain way you have to put yourself in good conditions to bring out the best versions of who you are which is probably if you were to like summarize a certain branch of like asian philosophy buddhist philosophy Taoism, and all this stuff they probably would say that you know there's a recognition of like okay we're all creatures in the becoming right we're we're evolving creatures and what we want to do is we want to put ourselves in the best situations to evolve ourselves forward in the most positive ways possible mm -hmm. because we in a weird way we don't have an intrinsic nature now in some ways this is the psychology of it and we'll kick we kicked this around before and we'll continue you know you have inner drives and aspects to your nature that's true too you know but even how that plays itself out is going to depend a lot on kind of the causes and conditions of your life you know what i'm saying yeah, I think my the only place the, the the one place where I say they don't they don't give enough credit to to genealogy, you know, because I do think that we have some intrinsic drives based on 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 generations tra on trauma on trauma traumatic experiences that will get passed forth in generations, and maybe it's not like in the way that kind of like karma. Then those are karmic factors, right? Yeah, those are, we can call them karmic factors. But okay, so so let me if you want to like. Put that under that heading, right? Sure. And and the example that I like to give is from my own, you know, sort of experience of before I was in the actual clinic when I was just sort of treating human beings in the world as a as a healer. I um I, I don't think I've told the story on here before, so it's a good one. Okay. So I was supposed to, well, I was meeting somebody for a blind date, and I had her meet me at this restaurant in Bucktown that also had a bar. And I went to dinner with my friends and I was like, okay, well, I'll have her meet me at the tail of dinner. So this way it's convenient for myself. Okay, fine. So Bucktown's kind of like, uh, what would you describe that neighborhood as, you know, for people who aren't from Chicago? Oh, kind of like a Greenwich village -y kind of a thing or something like that a little bit. Yeah. Greenwich village, something, some, you know, kind of like. A little hipster. Not, mm -hmm. Yeah. Hipster, not upscale, but you know, trendy yeah. part of town, yeah. you know, not fancy restaurants, but lots of various types of restaurants and uh, antique shops, going on. Yeah, vintage yeah, yeah. clothing, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's right. things like this, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. uh, Just to get the vibe. Set the yeah. scene, right? There we the go. Sorry, the scene, the scene needs to be set. So she was like an hour late. And right, which is a lot, right? For those yeah. who didn't see the video, um, Eric's that's had just, you know, 
He just he needs actually a, a cervical collar because he had whiplash from that, you know. Yeah, hour late for a blind date. Hour yeah. late, yeah. So no, 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 this or nothing. She said she was gonna be first ten minutes, then twenty minutes, then th you know, it's like a little. We kept building every all. Oh, I see. Okay. So, but in the meantime, I had been chatting up the the hostess, the manager of the place, okay. who was a you know, uh, a fine a fine con contributor to society of the female type. Uh, and which we had, you know, good conversation and banter. And um, it came up in the conversation that she had anxiety and was really not able to drive on the freeway. And so at that point, I said, well, I was going to get your phone number anyways, which is interesting that I said it like it was happening regardless. I didn't ask. I was like, well, this is happening, you know, but I was like, but that was for one particular reason. But I see now that maybe perhaps there's a different reason. And that's maybe I can help you, you know, with that. And so we exchanged uh, phone numbers and pleasantries. And and then I set up some sessions with her and she came over to my house. And, you know, I was I was practicing Reiki and whatever else came naturally to me at this point, you know. And so she came over and the second time that she came by, I was sort of like, pal you know, feeling around on her on her abdomen, you know, just to kind of doing a little massage, not actual massage, but just feeling. And then there was like, like an energy work kind of massage too. Though. Yeah, yeah. But I was thinking there's, I'm not got, I'm, I'm just doing, you know, I'm just sort of doing, which is a lovely place to be actually. And so then I just started to like, I found some spot that like I heard her breathing change and I just started to press and press and press until I just couldn't press anymore, you know? <laughs> and then I stayed there and I had this very clear image of a like 1970s, early 70s Chevy Nova of brown color with like a tan rag top. And I, I you know, sort of the, the view that I was looking through sort of panned around. It was sort of backed up. And this, this um, Nova was parked in front of a white trailer in sort of like a, not a forested area, but some area there was trees and dirt and stuff like this. And so I kind of come in, like the vision I had came to the trees saw the car and then I panned around to the passenger side where I saw a younger teenage girl, maybe 12, 13, 14, whatever, and a grown man. And they were sitting in the car and then you know, they had bench seats at that time. Okay. And so then the, the grown man then start to put his hands on her. And uh, I was like, I don't want to see anymore. Okay. I don't want, I don't want anymore. Gotcha. And so that was that. So then I came out. And I'm telling her what I, you know, we're talking about the session and I'm telling her what I saw. And it was a very strange understanding that she had. She said, I have to call my mom, which is sort of a strange reaction. You know, someone tells you this, I got to call my mom. She called her mom and I just saw her eyes start tearing up and the water started coming out of her eyes. She said that when her mom was in eighth grade, at one point, somebody pulled the fire alarm. And the math teacher that she had, algebra, whatever it was, uh, ushered her to his car, a brown Chevy Nova, oh, okay. and drove her to uh, a trailer park and sexually assaulted her. Yeah. Her mom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I found that when I was searching in her daughter's abdomen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So because of experiences like this, karmic factors under a heading 
makes total sense. But then I have, again, these experiences that- Subheading would be like the ancestral or something like that. Yeah, it's like a very uh, tangible thing, you know, that that we carry around. And I'm sure that there's more, you know, I'm sure that there are more things, right? So, um, so yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to give that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. That's freaky though, right? Oh yeah, for sure. No, it's a great bit of like intuitive healing too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great bit of intuitive healing. I'm trying to think of like what it means about like selflessness or not selflessness or something like that. But I mean, your main point underneath it all is like there's these different factors, and a lot of these factors have to do with things that you wouldn't think of as being like you per se. Yeah. Yep. But are just lines along. If we're using Chinese medical speak, sometimes they use the word jing or essence to kind of refer to the genetic factors and the factors of the yeah. body's constitution and stuff. And you're really talking something about that. Yes. Things that yes. come from the line of jing. Which I, you know, I, uh, yeah, anyway, so it's, it's a good point. Mm-hmm. It's a good point. Yeah. But I think the idea of like causes and conditions, it doesn't take that away either in the present. You know what I'm saying? No. So it's just more like there are uh, multiple factors kind of like going through to make a, make a, a person who they are, right? Make a living thing who they are, mm-hmm. right? Some of them might be more like subtle energetic karmic factors that have to do with that individual journey of that particular spirit through different lifetimes or something if you want to get super deep in that yes. way, right? Yes. And some of them might be things that <clears throat> when you connect to a certain line of genetic inheritance, right? These things will come up. Yeah. And it is true if I look at like, you know, the things that like have more been my wheelhouses, they haven't emphasized that stuff as much, you know, mm. so it's fair to say, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, where my emphasis has probably been more on thinking of like, okay, what's the story of this particular line of, of spirit or soul or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I got, I don't got any argument with what you're saying. You're, it's basically like a clinical reality, right? Yeah, yes. It happens, right? You can, it's like, it's an empirical reality that it's like that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Very cool. That has a lot to do with like uh, uh, an interesting thing. And like when we're talking, because you always have a little bit more of the shamanic side and I got a little bit more of my side and it's always good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Okay. But anyway, so we can agree at least on the relationship thing. It depends on who you set yourself with. Correct. Right. Okay. There's going to be causes and conditions around this that whatever, wherever the factors are coming from and wherever you want it to go. Right. That's going to determine what it's going to be. That's just like cause and effect, though. Right. There's a saying, I think it's like something like your vibe attracts your tribe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I could also say equally, your tribe affects your vibe. I think that's fair to say. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's what it, that's the point. <laughs> and actually, my mom has been making this point to me. She said, show me your three greatest friends and I'll, sh- I'll tell you who you are. That's deep. That's true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's very true. Wise words. Mm-hmm. I had a weird thing, you know, we're just talking off the cuff, but you're know, talking about this whole thing. I had a weird thing with my son yesterday. So he's going to be 11. And I don't know if he's just a little bit more tired or something, but he's, or if he's just, his consciousness is just expanding in a way that you would kind of have this. But my daughter wasn't really like this, but he was going, asking these weird questions like, well, if everything is kind of impermanent, what's the point? Kind of, you know? And I was like, huh. So we were doing a bit. <laughs> we were just talking about me as an old man. <laughs> Someday I'm going to be an old geezer. <laughs> so I was doing the old man bit, you know, just saying 
dumb old man shit. <laughs> For me, old Eric would be like, hey, grandkids, let me tell you all about Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> and the grandkids are like, whatever. <laughs> Eric's old grandpa Eric. <laughs> and uh, we were kind of joking about it. And then he got very emotional and he started getting a little teary eyed. And I guess it was him going like, oh, you know, at some point my dad will be old or whatever. And, you know, he won't be around any or forever. And he's been doing this kind of stuff, I guess, a little bit here and there, you know, like this. And he was like kind of crying or like, you know, on the verge of it. Because it's making me so sad. And we were just bullshitting around. And so I was a little bit not expecting it. Mm. You know, it was obviously just a bit and it was a joke, you know. Mm -hmm. but it got him thinking in this way so i was like no hold on time out <laughs> and uh you know we, you got your relationships with people we have our own special little bond with each other so i like kind of took him in my arms and i was holding him and i was like no 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 it's not you know he started saying it doesn't matter because because uh you know things are impermanent it doesn't matter what i do everything's going to go people are going to go who cares what difference does it make and i was like no this is totally wrong uh and i like held him close and we were kind of like you know and i kind of kissed his forehead and you know and i was like no you're not thinking about this right we're all spirits traveling i won't do it exactly the same way but like we're traveling spirits and you're one of my soulmates and i'm here to help you and you're here to help me and we're growing each other mm. in this process of our lives and what you know is just going to continue to like grow and evolve past this life. It's not going to end here. This story doesn't end and we'll see each other again. <laughs> and we're going to meet all the time because that's who we are with each other. And, uh, and I used, I gave the example of like, you know, he's really in the chest. If you're watching the YouTube thing, you can see his chest shit behind here. <laughs> and uh, I was like, and I was kind of the one who maybe first recognized that he was good at this, you know, it's its own little backstory, but doesn't matter for now. But I was like, you know, I was like, oh, how did I know? this in you i know you my spirit knows your spirit it knows you right mm. uh, that's not in the jing that's kind of like in the spirit but okay you know mm -hmm. and i was like uh and i'm here to help you and you're here to help me too and we're going to keep we're going to carry these things with us you know and uh we do it because of uh we're soulmates and it's love you know it's love that's doing this mm. you know and it was you know so i held him for a long time and we talked and we kind of went back and forth around those general set of ideas you know what you're doing matters a lot you're building who you are mm -hmm. right and uh kind of cuddle with him and you know it was you know like it was we're not always this way with each other you know but we were this time we like i held him for a long time and you know i was like you know it's love that makes us this way with one another <clears throat> and you're gonna see me again and because we're soulmates <laughs> we're that kind of soulmate mm. you know and at the end he went something like that's such a positive view. And I was like, yeah, that's reality. <laughs> it's not just a positive view. That's reality from a certain point of view. But mm -hmm. okay, that's reality. You know? And he said, oh, yeah, he was just saying thanks. And we said our love yous. And and uh, and he went to sleep fine. And he woke up in the morning and he was like talking about this stuff. Like, oh, yeah, okay, this is a different way of seeing things. You know? But it like uh, it had to do with relationship. Mm -hmm right it had to do with relationship and these bonds does that make sense what i'm trying to say yeah yeah so um but i think actually what you said to your son matters more to someone who's listening 
than what it is that you're actually trying to say? Um, the fact that I said it to my son? No, no, no. The fact that you shared that message here. Ah. And that when someone's listening to it, they can imagine that they're they're talking to their mother, father, grand, <clears throat> yeah, grandparent, yeah, right. son, and they could say the same thing and could imagine being told the same thing, you know, <laughs> because as we, you know, do all of this, right, it's like there's that recognition of the, the short time, you know, that we have. Well, we're these beings who are, who are, you know, feeding back off of one another, right? Yeah. Our lives and, you know, you're meeting people who are important you're feeding back if we didn't meet each other i'm not doing this you're not no. doing this correct and this is a lot to my life yeah no the same for right. me and you know I, I i get feedback from people on a regular basis thank you everybody for listening who you know hits us up and, and gives us a feedback but you know i i do get a lot of love it's it's very nice you know and we're sharing things that are important to us and people who listen are having their that's it's important to them as well and so there's an opportunity for them to engage in that dialogue and maybe for some people they don't have that with their tribe if you will yeah, yeah. Or, you know what i'm saying and yeah, so awesome. we're able to provide them with that and then we're also able to i'm able to remind you you're able to remind me i'm able to remind the people who listen as are you and then they hit me back and they're able to remind me of things that i said I, there's somebody who listens who will sometimes quote me and then put it in a message and send it back to me and i'll be like man it <laughs> I don't, you know, like, okay. I don't remember even saying that. That's yeah, pretty but good. <laughs> but thank you for reminding me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's uh, you know, it's a gift that we that you can you can have this network, right, of people that you're moving, you're traveling with that can reinforce the things that you that that bent that matter to you. you I know? guess on that level, you're you're what you're kind of doing is like the way I might say it would be you're you're finding your spiritual tribe. Yes. And those people will appear. I guess that's the point I was trying to make to my son too. Those people will appear, you know, and it'll be, you know, me and, you know, other people, other family members, but you're going to meet other people too, who are going to be your little tribe of soulmates. And if you, if you keep an eye out, if you keep, if you an, keep eye an eye out, out yeah, keep an eye out. And sometimes those, those, that's that spiritual tribe. Those people are not in your life forever, actually. Certainly possible. Mm-hmm. You know, they're there for a particular, what I say, for a reason or for a season, you mm -hmm. know, and they may have a deep, uh, you know, influence. I mean, like I'm telling the story about that, that woman and her mom and all of that, you know, and like, what's the significance for me in that situation? Well, I, I now have that realization from a tangible, from a hands-on perspective that will live with me forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. You know, so it's a basically saying, oh, this is how reality works. This experience with this person yeah. taught me something very deep about the nature of reality that yeah. now I can carry forward. Right. Yeah. And then in the reciprocal nature of uh, Shen or spirit or whatever, then she also got the opportunity to go, oh, wow. Nature works like this. Reality works like this. My mm -hmm. mom went through this experience. Maybe that heals something with her mom. Maybe mm -hmm. that's good for her mom to share that. You know, a lot, mm -hmm. you know, it ripples. Right. Yeah, I mean, even, th you know, as we're as we're talking about this, I'm just thinking like, what a gift as a practitioner, like what 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 an exchange. Yeah, yeah. You know, we get to help somebody heal something in their life. And then in the process of doing that, I get to learn about existence, you know, or the nature yeah. of reality or whatever. I mean, 
what, you know, if I didn't need money to, you know, buy food and clothing, uh, I would be totally happy with that trade-off. It's a good trade-off anyways. <laughs> yeah. You take out all the money and all the whatever, it's still a good trade-off. Yeah. About the nature of how the world works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a little bit why I wanted to do like my traditional Chinese medicine thing for me in the first place, probably for you too. I was like, well, how does this, how does this world work? I had no idea what I was getting into. <laughs> I, I just said, all right, let's go. I had the idea, like, I think you can, like, I think nature works different than what people say. And this Chinese medicine says it works different. I've had the experience it works different through this Chinese medicine stuff. I'm going to prove this. Mm. <laughs> but the world is different than what people say. That was important. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I didn't have those kinds of thoughts back then. I look contrarian in me, too. It's like, yeah, no, talk I was... to you people, this world is, I'm flipping, <laughs> my, flipping my middle finger to the, to the camera on this. But, yeah. Yeah, there's also like the piece. So, okay. So if we get back to the relationship thing, then I, I haven't dropped this quote in a little bit, but there's a real, from the Zen school I studied, they had like this amazing little snippet. We've been doing a lot of little quotes here, right? Because Esther Perel is so good at these little quotes too. Mm. But uh, this idea of like energy before form. Yeah. Energy has to take the lead. You can't let form take the lead, which will probably be a theme as we go forward with this, because really what you're talking about when you're talking about what we're talking about with the Esther Perel stuff is a lot about form, right? Yes. What's the form of things that exist within a certain cultural you, right? And she's interesting in that she talks about that in that way. She recognizes like, in part, these are the forms of the life of my particular class of patients who live in a certain setting, you know, and they live in their life within a certain form. But that's different than energy, right? Yeah. All right. So should, should we do that? You ready? You cool to get into like uh, the, the the remnants of the Esther? Let's do it. <laughs> Esther. All remnants. right. So, um, so I think what we were talking about last time, and I have a little bit of a question about her, what she says about this. I'm curious about your thoughts too. So, um. She has a you know a fairly realistic view of things. She basically says there's no particular way people should live. So monogamy is not natural or something is what she says. It's not natural to human beings. I think she's even being a little bit Freudian. She said it's a little bit hard for people, mm. right? Which is going to be a big deal because we're going to talk about people like Carl Jung later on who are non-monogamous. <laughs> but at the same time, it's not like she's saying that you can't live to be a happy monogamous person too. It's just it just presents different challenges to what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. um, this is really interesting because I did in your 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 ever intrepid GNT researcher me. <laughs> I asked people about this stuff because I've been promising I was going to research, so I'm getting all kinds of opinions of all kinds of different folks. And so I was asking someone about this, non-American person, and their reaction was, "Well, you know, to say monogamy isn't natural. Some people are monogamous." And as we talked it through, I it got to the point where it was more like, "Well, what it really is is something like." There's no intrinsic monogamy in people, and there's probably no intrinsic non-monogamy in people mm. because they're kind of selfless, you know? And so they'll live, people will live in different ways, and maybe different people will have different inklings inside of themselves, which is natural enough, you know? So that was sort of like a clarifying thing within this, you know? She was like, well, I think I disagree with that. But when we really talked through it more, it was like, yeah, it's more like there's no intrinsic quality one way or the other in this, right? And people can live in a lot of different ways. And then, you know, uh, Esther talks about marriage itself. We were talking about it last time and just the idea of it's changed a lot 
and we have this kind of new form going on here, right? Um, where before, and she's this is where maybe we 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 didn't talk about last time that she makes this point, which she really says that they were kind of financial arrangements historically. Yes. Right. Um, now they're more about love and a kind of a romantic model, you know, where, you know, people feel like they have to be the one to their partner and the partner has to be kind of like the one to them. Yeah. We talked about that last time. Yeah. And so, um, the only part about this, which I wasn't sure about was this idea, like, is this financial part just historical? That was one of my reactions. Cause my thought on that is no. I feel like I know a lot of people whose relationships are deeply tied into their financial arrangements, their, their, their security, you know, uh, just, it's just like that. Now I was talking with the person who's not from America and she's not from Finland either, (laughs) but she was talking about Finland and she was saying she had read some book about Finland. So if you have any Finnish listeners, clarify this for us. But the idea was, no, people are like the relationships are less financially enmeshed in a culture like that so if people have to divorce or something it doesn't financially like explode Mm. you know in this way but i so you were kind of nodding along we agree right that a lot of this Mm -hmm. stuff is kind of financial stuff i have an anecdote to share about this is it is it layla rahimi do you know the sportscaster in chicago yeah so she is a uh female sports broadcaster on um in, in Chicago and also, you know, she's on some TV, you know, ABC news or something like this. Yeah. Like some of the news sports stations in Chicago doing the sports and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was, this is one of the more amazing kind of like bits of authentic radio I've ever heard. <laughs> Cause they were, they were doing like a thing, you know, like a lot of times in radio shows, they'll do that bit where it's the morning hosts and then the afternoon hosts come on and they bullshit around a little yeah, bit. They call that cross talking talking or transition there you go transition so they were doing their transition and she was part of the next show that was coming on or something but somehow they started talking about relationships and it was like her is the only sort of female voice there were three other dudes men three other men and uh i was trying to get the age ranges on they're probably like boomers to gen xers or something you know and she's probably more like a millennial woman so they're talking And at some point she said, well, y'all know I was divorced before. And they went, no, (laughs) they didn't know that. And she said, yeah, I had to get out of that. And uh, then they were like, okay. And then there was this moment where she said, wait a minute, time out. The conversation continued on. And she said, time out. And she said, do you think people aren't together because of like financial reasons in this culture or insurance or just because they need each other just to like survive and you don't think that that's happening with people and she said that to these three dudes and the three dudes were like humada, humada, humada. they didn't know what to say back and probably there was this weird thought in their heads in my mind like is my wife staying with me because <laughs> she needs the money and the insurance and like there's a certain statistical probability that that's the case right and I was like, okay, but she was like in like legitimate shock mm. of the disconnect in these three guys from like what the reality was, yeah. right? And I guess especially especially for her, the reality of like her as like kind of a female voice in this conversation, going, right. what do you think is going on? So to me, like my reaction to some of the Esther Perels, I, I I couldn't help thinking, you know, she's in New York, she has probably pretty wealthy clients in Manhattan or something, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, 
But I think if you get to the reality of a lot of people that I know, you know, and I'm not saying there isn't love involved. I'm sure there is. But there's also a certain amount of like, okay, I built a life. This will come crashing down. Right. I don't stay in this. And I definitely have known people I know. I probably would think both men and women, to be honest. Yeah. They're like, okay, I have to stay in this because I need this money. I need this insurance. I need this whatever, you know? There's a lot of like this practical reality of things, you know? Mm -hmm. So we agree, I guess, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Slightly disagree with Esther on this point. (laughs) Because I think she underplayed it. But that was only one of the rare times I walked away going, I think she sees wealthy Manhattanites, right? And she's downplaying what the reality is for a lot of people. So anyways, that just struck me. I guess we agree. But even so, you, I don't think it's healthy to, even if that's the case, I don't think it's healthy to stay in something for that reason. You know, essentially, essentially you're choosing to be in relationship out of fear. I mean, I think a lot of stuff is very convoluted in that way. I don't think they're very clear situations. It's a little love, a little fear, a little this, a little that. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. It brought a weird conversation with my mom as I do my research. It also gives me something to talk about with my mom. And my mom, you know, uh, seems to appreciate these conversations about her life. And I don't, I can't remember if we talked about this last week, but um, she never told me this before. But like, uh, there was a conversation between. I apologize. We apologize if we talked about it last week. Maybe I forgot. But she said uh, that when she was thinking about divorcing my dad, he like legally threatened her. Oh no. He was like, I'll I'll take you to court and I'll make your life miserable over these kids. I will go after custody of these kids. And my mom told me this. And I, this is all water under the bridge for me. And I know I give a lot of crap to, you know, I, I talk about my parents in an honest way. They're complicated people, you know. Um, they did good things. They did bad things, you know. And even now that I can talk to my mom so honestly, it's kind of amazing. Not everybody would do this. My mom has positive qualities, too despite the downsides but you know we talked this through and i was like i couldn't help but just start laughing because i was my dad didn't give a shit about us <laughs> he didn't want us he was just threatening my mom you know and i went oh you know and we talked through it pretty serious and she was like yeah he was doing that mm. she never said that to me before and i was like okay you know and i definitely know that that this this is still i know women now who are still in this situation right and personally if i look at case studies and we're clinicians so we do things through case studies Right, definitely not women who are like, okay, I better stay in this because this guy's going to make my life hell. Right, sue over the custody of these kids and make the kids' lives miserable and so on. And you know, I didn't know that this was the case with my parents, but apparently it was. So, mm. so I guess the gist of this is, I think she frames some of this stuff in a much more like kind of historical point of view. But I think a lot of this stuff is still carrying on. It's just one of those things that can happen in this form if we use the language we were using before. It can go this way. So, mm-hmm. anyways. All right. She's honest about it too, in the sense that she says that this is part of like state power and culture. So she talks about that part too, the way that the politics and economics of a culture also affects the way people are going to live in their individual relationships. And I think that makes sense too. She'll say that in her more radical moments. And I kind of appreciate when people are kind of honest about that too. Mm. What do you think about that one? Yeah. I mean, that goes along with what we were saying before about how you're environment affects you as a person you know your situation your conditions i think is what you said causes and conditions yeah. i think that goes along with with part of that you know it, it's it is it's not that it's not possible but it's it's very difficult to be in 
any particular scenario, whatever, pick it, work, play, school, outside, whatever, and not be influenced. Now, look, on a on a larger philosophical scale, we'll say we're all interconnected, so we're always being influenced, you know? But we'll say like in a gross kind of affected way, you know, and we talked about this in a podcast before, right? Example of this, you go over to someone's house, they're having a party, you walk in, everybody's laughing, talking, having a good time. You, even if you're a sullen, you do feel a little bit uplifted. Yeah, 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 yeah. So here's a positive way. Simultaneously, you go to pick up, you know, you go on a couple's date or something like that, or you go to pick up your friend and their partner, right? And they're just fighting and they get in the car and it's just like, uh, awkward and heavy and bad. Yeah, heavy. And even though no one's saying anything, you could totally yeah. feel it. You're like, ah, I got to roll the windows down and burn some incense or something in here. You got to change it. You yeah. know, so like, we're, if we, so if we, if we can be affected by this, and I don't think that these are very like spiritual, quote unquote, spiritual kind of examples. These are just normal things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't we be influenced in a larger sense by the environment of your workplace, by the people whom you spend time with, whether you're, you know, listening to this on a bus or a train or something somewhere, you know, everyone's affecting you. Everything is affecting you. So um, the onus is on essentially the person to be conscious of that, right? Which is what, you know, what we want to do is bring, bring some of these things up from the unconscious to your level of awareness so that you can choose, you know, how you interact with them. Well, we did a, a real whole big spiel on like different ways that people will approach life we kind of did this four tier thing and some episodes back we don't want to do the whole deal again but i do have like a soft spot in my heart and we'll talk about maybe at the end of this whole episode for like transcending the aspects of culture that are limiting i think you gotta do it yeah you gotta do it so we talked about a little bit in this emotional plague thing when we talked about right if people have been listening to this stuff don't want to do it all again or we talked about like you know there's the rules of the game. And then sometimes you have to be willing to step out of the rules of the game. And then you're, you're basically challenging life in a different way. But I thought it was cool that she said that she was being realistic. She was going, okay, let's be honest about this. You know, the way people live their lives is going to be strongly influenced by what that culture says. And a lot of that has to do with like politics and economics and how people are kind of like, uh, what's going to end up happening to people. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of that. So I like that she was willing to go to that place. You know, it's kind of like her edginess. Yeah. Yeah, her edginess. And speaking of edginess, <laughs> then she has a whole thing about affairs. <laughs> okay. So, um, and she wrote a whole book on this called The State of Affairs or something. That's the one I didn't end up going through because that one was probably less interesting to me on some level. But she makes a point which is um, uh, this is an old thing. It's not in any way new. This has always been part of this institution that these things were going to happen, right? Always. You could have different attitudes towards this, you know? Um, and it's probably huge numbers. And it ranges really big when you, people start talking about this. So in one of the interviews I was listening with her, there was someone who was quoting statistics. And they said, well, the statistics are between 26% of people and 75 Oh, <laughs> which is a pretty big range. <laughs> so you really don't know. Right. You really don't know. I was talking to Ryan Davenport, uh, one of our resident uh, uh, consulting anthropologists, one of our yeah. two. Yeah, he's on retainer for sure. Ryan, Ryan and, and uh, Ryan Davenport. And uh, he always appreciates when we make this joke. 
<laughs> He's told me so. <laughs> if he listens. So, um, and I can't remember the number, but I think we mentioned in the podcast, it was either 40 or 60% of even women in India. Right. You know? So um, anyways, it's a, it's a common thing. Uh, um, and so we talked about it a little bit last time that, you know, people do this, but they feel a lot of internal conflict because they, they're not sure in the reality, how they feel about these things. A lot of times it does go against their values. She said, for the most part, her, impression wasn't the people that she was seeing were the people who were like serial people who were always engaging and you know uh you know extra relational relationships or something like that that those weren't the people who were coming in she said the people who were coming into her practice were people who often felt very conflicted because they felt their values were like in tension with what they were doing mm. they felt this internal tension mm. but at the same time when she talked about why people did it she said it doesn't really didn't really have to do with like sex. That wasn't like the main reason why people do it. And that's not shocking, really. A lot of times what sex is like part of something bigger, right? Why people engage in sexuality is a complicated question. And a mm -hmm. lot of times it's not about the sex itself. It's about other aspects in addition to or maybe even more important than the sex itself. Right. And she said that for the most part, when she talked with people, what people really feel is they want to feel alive. They want to feel free. They want to feel autonomous. In some ways, she said that they want to feel kind of bold, maybe was one of the words that kind of popped out here, mm. right? And that in a certain sense, she saw that there are times when people felt like they wanted to break the rules, that there were rules that they felt like they were kind of being uh, shackled by on some level. And there's a part of them that want to, wants to break it. Now, there's another part she saw in human nature where people want to follow rules, mm -hmm. you know, but just as common as that you're just as prevalent as these two kind of contradictory impulses the impulse to kind of follow and you could say rules or you could say values sure you know, they're internalized there's a line between these things and yeah i guess depending on the word you use you're taking a different connotation right right but there's some part of the people they want to follow whatever you want to call these this part of who they are right and on the opposite side there's a part that wants to feel these other things that don't necessarily kind of like uh there's a clash right you know and so sometimes it's like it's people who have a lot of value in their relationships it's not because they don't care about their partner it's not maybe even that they don't even believe in the relationship model a lot of times they do but there's these other impulses in them right right especially these ones of like people feel want to feel alive they want to feel free they want to feel you know, something like this. And then her honesty about the idea, like sometimes they just want to like act out a little bit. You know, we'll talk about Jung probably coming up, but he would talk about the trickster. The minute you set up a bunch of rules, there's going to be some part of the person that's going to want to like trickster their way around them. Right. Right. It's just the nature of things. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the rule setting overall creates a, a structure. And when you have, you know, multiple structures, then you can get these kind of like cross points but cross points only occur when there's one thing going one way and one thing going the other way right like nature itself doesn't have these crossing points and mm -hmm. you see so when, when, there, when there's crossing points everything sort of exists there because you have people moving one way people moving the other way a little bit deeper i want to understand what you're saying when you say crossing points crossing points between what crossing points between paths okay. of living between ideologies oh, Oh yeah, gotcha. Okay, you know what I'm saying. And so they, they potential tension or something. Potentially, yeah. 
yeah. at the at the particular point, right? Yeah, yeah. And then so, but then at these crossing points, and so people going one way, people going the other way, people thinking one way, people thinking the other way, life moving, life right, whatever, uh-huh. ideologies, your favorite sports team, whatever, right? And then okay. who hang who hangs out at these crossing points? People trying to do move the way that they're trying to move. And then you have wayward souls looking to hope maybe glom on to something to help them get through something. And then you have all the other people who like to be around the chaos, like cities, you know, trickster folks, mm-hmm. you know, people who have maybe nefarious kind of intentions that are looking to, to capture some of this chaotic kind of energy that that is there. Well, it's kind of interesting what you're saying. It. So what you're saying is <clears throat> in your mind, you see this like there's this path a person is on and then they get to this nodal point <clears throat> Mm-hmm. where there might be like places of like tension or different ways things might go. Yeah. And you're saying that <clears throat> a lot of different funky stuff can happen at those nodal points. Yes. Kind of like the bar in Star Wars or something on Tatooine. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> where Han Solo shoots first or not and kills, mm-hmm. is it Greedo or whatever? I can't remember. Whomever. Uh, yeah. I think uh, Obi-Wan cuts off some dude's arm. If I remember that movie right, the people are playing the weird instrument. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I don't always think of it that way. <laughs> but I guess you're not wrong. I mean, you certainly can have complexity in people's lives as they get to a point where. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, this is what her kind of comment on human nature. And she says in doing her therapy, a lot of times she's like, why did you. Why, why, what led you to do these choices? And like, well, I felt alive. I felt free. I felt something I hadn't felt in a long time or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the interview she did with, uh, you know, it was her and this other person we mentioned last time, Dan Savage. And this is where like, some of her beautiful edginess to my taste comes out. They were basically saying, you know, if you went back a hundred years ago or so, um, there was... Okay, so I was talking with someone. I, I was doing my due diligence, GNT listeners. <laughs> I'm talking with different people, especially from di- people from different cultures. And they were like, like the one woman I was talking to uh, was kind of like, well, you know, the point that's made here, and I'll get, I guess I should, I should give the point and then give her comment. So at some point, there was probably a double standard here where a lot of, because you couldn't divorce. A lot of like a stereotype would be a lot of the men would be promiscuous and a lot of women would be stuck, you know, not being promiscuous. Mm. When I brought this up to this woman, she was like, we were kind of talking about it. It was like, well, who are these men being promiscuous with? Like other women. (laughs) They're not a bunch of Romans (laughs) being promiscuous with each other. They're being promiscuous with the ladies. (laughs) My My daughter went down to Costa Rica at one point. And it, it was a, it was a good story. It was a bunch of women in this community who had established their own co-op, so they weren't so financially dependent upon you know the men in the community. They were doing their own, you know, uh, things that they could make and sell, and you know, having were local community. local women. Yeah, local women down in Costa Rica. So she went down to Costa Rica and sort of like an environmentalism and culturalism tour when she was in high school. It's a cool thing that she did. So she was down there for maybe two three weeks or something, you know, traveling around the country. Because it's kind of an environmental mecca, I guess. I, Anyways, that was that was the backstory. Yeah, I've spent probably about two months in Costa Rica. No shit. What did you think? Oh, I love Costa Rica. Are you kidding? Oh me? yeah, I love it. I love it, it. It's beautiful, right? Very beautiful. Yeah, I went once for some, you know, yoga training and hanging out, and then I went another time for a few weeks and did the uh, all the various tour eco spots, which there are. Yeah. It's gorgeous. I mean, it's you know, 
Was there uh, ecological progressiveness obvious to you as someone traveling through? Well, that is their main source of their main source of income is tourism. No, but they were talking about they're very um, ecologically protective and progressive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, eco they're protecting their they're protecting their tourism industry. They're protecting their tourism, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like that, not only is it beneficial for the environment, the environment is their is their cash cow. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they were, you know, and I went in like 2008, and they were. It was already eco tour. It was a thing, you know. They were already. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, be cautious about. You couldn't step in these certain places at certain times of the year. You couldn't touch this. You couldn't go there. You couldn't. You know what I mean? But she was going through all the sites and looking at like what they were doing to be like, basically combat global warming too, was I yeah. guess part of the pitch of it, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. So she would have been there more in the, like more in the teen years, right? Pre-pandemic, mm -hmm. but yeah. Anyway, she was down there. And it was a cool story because she met all these ladies and they were asking them questions. But the way they described their lives before is they were stuck at home uh, and they were all like involved in all of these sort of like rotating relationships with these different men. <laughs> So they were home and then these guys would leave to go to work and then they'd stop by the house of some other person and they'd have a fling and then they do, you know, that was just you know, how it was. But I think these ladies felt really trapped in this. So it was good that they got out. Mm. But anyways, mm. so who knows, you know, double standard. Yes. Right. But, um, uh, and so what Esther Perel talks about in this thing was that um, uh, at a certain point, culture, at least in the United States, changed. And one of the big questions was, are you going to make it more uh, like open or something? Is that what it's going to be? So no one's going to live by this more kind of stricter code or is it going to be everyone's going to live by this stricter code? And the culture kind of made the choice to do the second of those two things. Right. To make it all very strict, right? And that's not necessarily good or bad in any way, but that's sort of just the reality of it the when they're with the way they're talking about it, mm -hmm. right? And this ends up having, um, you know, kind of like big impacts. So as far as Esther Perel goes, as someone who's like, she's interesting the way she talks about, you know, her uh, women and her female patients and all that. She basically says like, well, in her take, and I think we said this before, but her take is that women lose interest in relationships faster than men, ironically mm -hmm. enough. You know, her take is that women need more context to enjoy things. There's more, you know, uh, there's richerness. In, in newer relationships, it's not so much sexuality, it's just tied to just uh, the physical acts of sexuality, but the whole context is richer. And so in the absence of that, she thinks women lose interest faster and get more bored, mm. you know, in relationships than men do. And when they were talking with Dan Savage, it was the whole idea, well, now there's a whole industry of trying to medicalize this and basically going, okay, we're going to try to fix this, what might be boredom actually on some level. Mm. You know? she's kind of honest she's like well, a lot of women are losing interest not because maybe they've lost interest in romance or sexuality overall but they kind of decided well this is not this is not interesting to me anymore or something mm -hmm. you know as a reality check i guess so her take is kind of interesting on that you know and then they kind of had this conversation about well now you're going to try to medicalize it and there's this perpetual thing of trying to like do like a female viagra something that will like right women's libidos and you know it's being medicalized and uh, what really probably has to happen is the idea that you have to just re-energize the relationship and then the woman will, women will be more interested again. Right. But in the, probably in the routineness of it, you know, that women lose interest. 
So what do you think of all that? What do you, what do you make out of that kind of thing? Well, I mean, I think that's, that's true. I also think that like, again, you know, being trauma informed, I think that like, cause I know this from, I'm just, I'm literally having a conversation with a couple of patients about this currently, you know, and um, you know, the husbands might be talking about the wives in this, in this kind of a way, you know? Uh-huh. And um, because I know the the partners, I also know that they also have trauma in their history. And for some people, I think they're more apt to like burying it and can function with things buried. But some people, it just affects them so much. They're able to function and live life, but they're also not you know, when they have anxiety or they have, you know, it, it's still, the, the- it's very true. I mean, like, especially if you have like, uh, and it's going to be more frequently women, right. Yeah. We have some background of sexual trauma. Well, this of course is going to have a huge impact. Right. And if so you then, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. while like we're talking about like female Vi- Viagra, it's like, Oh, well, you know, they're postmenopausal and they're this and they're that. And I feel bad. You know, like the, the husbands do feel bad. It's not that they don't, they do. They're like, it sucks for, it sucks for them. I, I feel bad, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then on the other hand, I'm also like, yes, I do. I understand. However, she has her own work to do. You know, like there's internal resistance. Like we talked about a couple of weeks ago uh, with uh, Reich, you know, yeah. with mm-hmm. Wilhelm Reich and the repression and things like this. Like when you have to use energy to keep things locked up on the inside, you're not going to be in a state of flow. You're not going to be in a in a pleasure. You're not going to move towards pleasure. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Mm-hmm. You're not going to. You're going to move away from it because you're you're the, the tension that is required to keep things in order requires a lot of energy, actually. And so I'm not disagreeing that like there might not be some physiological response to something that's going to cause some you know physical difficulties engaging in something like this. Of course, that's possible. Um, and probably happens all the time, but I'm also saying that like the people's lives that have built up to this particular point, again, causes and conditions, right? Also has its play here. There's no female Viagra Viagra that's going to take away the the impact of like your previous sexual trauma. Right. Do that. And it's not even always sexual. It's yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a part of the literature for sure. That's talks about sexuality for sure. Yeah. Right. And, you know, like when we talk to patients who are victims of sexual violence, there's that part that hangs around, you yes. know, as the person gets more awareness, they even start to realize it even more. Yeah. You know, because, you know, you and I have both worked with victims of sexual violence. Yeah. Yeah. In different ways. Right. Part of our careers, mm-hmm. just naturally. Right. Because it's mm-hmm. it's it's not uncommon. Right. It's very common. Right. Uh, Very common. What's the right word there? Is it very common? I feel yeah. like it, unfortunately, it's more common than that we like to talk about, about, probably. Yeah. 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 I, I, if, if I was going to guess and put a percent, I'd say, you know, uh, and sexual trauma is like a large scale thing. I can't, I'm not going to differentiate, you know, what one thing is for somebody versus something is for somebody else. You know, it's not to diminish the experience of one person and, and admonish something someone else's you know i could just say sexual trauma that that has negative connotation for someone's life my guess would be 40 percent yeah 
that sometimes my... I think this number of sexual assault ends up being like 20 or something. But, you know, if you make it bigger, you're going to get more people. Yeah, I just think I, I think it's larger because I don't think people want to talk about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true, too. So we're getting we're getting yeah. diminished numbers. It's like it's like uh, it's like uh, not spousal abuse, but like relationship abuse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're not going to get those numbers. Never, so there's a complicated fully. thing going on here then like she's talking about what she sees as a legitimate problem where women are just like okay this isn't interesting to me anymore and like sure point is that women will pull away from the relationship faster and lose interest faster mm -hmm. that's her clinical opinion mm -hmm. but if you make this bigger then you can also say well another part of that problem will be people who are carrying and more women who are carrying the aftermaths of different kinds of trauma which could be relational right mm -hmm. uh like the inability to feel as close to people or something like that could be specifically sexual is the point you're making, right? Does that make sense? Correct. To you? That's yeah, yeah, correct. Okay. yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then um, there's one other part of that, which is like, I think she makes a big deal about uh, insecurity in, amongst women, right? Like body image issues and a kind of an underlying feeling of perfectionism or something. You know, so that's another point that she brings up. Uh, so her idea is that there's a certain, I mean, she says this kind of like female sexuality is a little bit narcissistic in the sense that uh, she needs, the, the woman needs to like herself, right? And so she needs to feel as if she would want to make love to herself, meaning she's okay with herself. Mm okay with who she is okay with her own body image okay with how she feels there's something about that and this is her clinical opinion on this you know and then for a lot of women there'll be some voice in their head that will say they're just not good enough for something mm. and that will cause them to kind of you know close off themselves too right so i mean that's kind of an interesting take and like when you talk with women you do hear this you know mm. what do you think about that I mean, it makes sense just from a, you know, my not, I'm not a woman. I don't identify one. I don't know what it's like to be a one. Uh, I know what it's like to be me. And I guess I'm a male according to, you know, society, you yep. know? Um, and, and I could say that like, as, as, as a man, I don't have to physically open myself up in that, in, in, in that kind of a way from a sexual perspective. And I would imagine from my own body image stuff growing up that I was more hesitant to engage perhaps in physical activity, like that physical sexual activity when I wasn't feeling as confident. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a kind of a perfectionism and I think she makes the point of a kind of like a consumerism almost, right? Like people feel like they have to kind of like sell themselves or something. And if they don't feel as good about themselves, there's this underlying... I guess that's the, or something, I right? guess that's the attract, you know, how do you attract a, a mate in that, in that way, you know, yeah. but I, I think you have to feel, you, you have to feel like confident w in your own skin, however that yeah. looks, you know, and if you're not able to do that, then yeah, why would you, why would you allow somebody into your space? And if you are allowing them into your space, how deep do you allow that part, you know, and, and being confident doesn't necessarily mean, you know, being totally like ripped with a six pack and like, you know, not, not like that, but just confident in, in your body and whom you are and your energy and whatever that you feel confident in your selfhood or something right yeah that you derive wherever you derive confidence from i think i think that's a big point actually it's quite that's a profound thought yeah 
So she's, I mean, this is again, like she's a clinician, so we can relate to her, right? Yeah. And yeah, when she talks with, you know, her patient, she's like, yeah, there's this thing, you know, where, you know, you don't maybe not have that as much in male patients, but like, we're kind of like talking about, yeah, men can have this feeling too, you know? For sure. Look, yeah. I know for me, you know, I was a really skinny kid growing up. And when I was 12 years old, I lost all of my hair. I had, I had alopecia. Oh, okay. So eyelashes, eyebrows, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, alopecia affects lots of people, actually. You know, it's a shitty thing. Anyways, so I had it at, at like the age of 12. And I had regular steroid creams that were rubbed on or oils or whatnot that were rubbed on my scalp. And you do steroids twice a day for many months. Yeah, yeah. It gets in your system, yeah. you know? And at that time it was, you know, colder out. I wasn't getting out. I wasn't getting activity, you know, whatever. And I'm affected by these steroids and my body totally changed actually. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was storing a lot of fat. I went from being like, again, like a literally a skinny kid, just running constantly everywhere yeah, um, yeah. to wearing Husky jeans, you know, wearing bigger clothes so that they, my, my body wouldn't show. I just like, I, I absorbed the, the, the latent genes of my, you know, my mother's side, which are big hips. Mm -hmm. And um, it was very uncomfortable. And I could say like, I would not want to, I would not have, I did not take my shirt off for anybody or do anything like that. There was no right. way I was going to do that, you know, let alone, yeah. you know, pants or even socks or even shoes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and that's just, yeah, and that's no, it's just, true. It's, it's a thing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's just a man. And I'm a man. I'm a dude saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's I honest, honest talk. Those kinds of feelings. I can remember that kind of stuff as a teenager. Yeah. Where you're like, okay, I got to go and like work out a little bit more so I can lose this tiny little bit, <laughs> like body fat you might have on your abdomen or something like that, you know? Yeah. I remember that feeling, you know, you're like, okay, I'm gonna go and like, make sure I work out super hard in this hot garage. The <laughs> 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 sweat off this little bit, something or other, you know? Weird, weird thoughts to go back and think about. And those. and I think from a female perspective, again, again, I'm not a woman. I don't know. My assumption is that like there is some pressure to be the object of desire. I mean, she's saying like she's almost saying that there's something where. I mean, you might have to like. I don't want to put words in her mouth totally, but she's saying sure. like there's a certain kind of like narcissistic aspect, this need to be desired or something. And I've talked with women about this, you know, and I'm sure you have too. There's some feeling like that. You know, everybody has it though. I think men have it too. It's not like we, you know, men don't, right? But I think that I just, I, you know, I feel like, like she thinks it's really important for women. And if you can't like like yourself and feel comfortable, then this will shut more women down, probably. Sure. Her practice. Yeah. Well, That's, I think in just, you know, stereotypically, a negative voice in the person's head. Stereotypically <laughs> speaking, the, the, ma the male, the masculine is usually the, the, the one, the pursuant. The more yeah yeah uh -huh. right and the the female the feminine aspect is the 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 pursuee you know and in in that way you're you have to sort of make yourself to be want to be pursued you know whether you're a female or whatever but in in most relationships there's a masculine feminine dynamic you know mm -hmm. and this plays out so whatever however wh whoever you are you know like you have to there is some amount of like mm, powder puffing if you will you know to get people to kind of like find you see you search for you 
You know, mm-hmm. it's a different it's a different mechanism of of partner capture. Doesn't sound right. In the sense of like, <clears throat> it's interesting to know like how much of that stuff is kind of cultural too. Sure. There's a crazy, it's like you know, like when people talk about this, you can look at like, uh, okay, I'll, I'll just tell the thing. So there's this crazy study on, I think it's rhesus monkeys. You know, I use it in one of my classes where I'm trying to talk about like uh, really like Buddhist philosophy because it really shows how causes and conditions really change things. Mm. So they would used to research the mating habits of these, I think it's rhesus monkeys, like in the lab. And so what would happen would be that uh, the females would seem really passive. They'd be in the cages. The females would seem really passive. And the dudes would be the dude monkeys. <laughs> the bro monkeys would be the ones who would be the pursuers. You know? And they went, okay, well, that's how rhesus monkeys are. You put it in the book, put it on the, you know, the textbook or whatever. So then later on, what happened was they did research actually out in the nature, in the wild, like under actual natural settings, which are obviously different conditions, right? So just monkeys out in the trees doing their thing. And what they found was it wasn't the dudes at all who were the more aggressive ones. It was the female monkeys mm. that were like chasing all these dudes. <laughs> so they went, holy shit, you know? And then the, I, I, I came across it in the, you know, I, I do different research on different things. And this was a book on like human sexuality. And they were just kind of making this point. And I couldn't help thinking about my Buddhist, you know, like internal, like alarms were ding, 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 ding. Because you're going, that's causes and conditions. Mm-hmm. You know, change the causes and conditions. I talk with, a, you know, like whenever I teach yin and yang, the students for, uh, you know, TCM purposes, if I'm the first person to do yin and yang. One of the main things I point out is that in China, okay, female is yin and um, masculine is yang. So yang is fire and heat and active and female is cooler and passive and so on, right? That's the stereotype of yin and yang. Yeah. If you go to India, it flips. And I remember um, talking to someone I knew who was a Wiccan, Wiccan priestess. And she was going, well, what's up with China? Why do they have yin and yang like this? Because in India, who's young? Shakti is young. Mm-hmm. Female is young. And because, you know, Tibet inherited the culture of uh, India more than China, right? Female is young. Mm-hmm. Female is fire. Female is that. Female is wisdom, right? And the, the male is the cool, you know, uh, more passive thing, you know? And it's just because you can kind of flip those roles around, right? They're a little bit culturally kind of dependent, that imagery even. So I suppose in a way what you end up talking, and I, this is maybe my deep energy before form. Mm, there you go. It's a lot of form. It's the form of the culture. Like the monkeys yes. are in the cage and the monkeys act a certain way. But the monkeys someplace else, they might be different. Which I think Esther Pearl would agree with, right? Because she's kind of spending a lot of time talking about like how form affects people. To mm-hmm. my to my ears. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So I, I guess we're getting down to the end of what were sort of the interesting things here that we hadn't talked about in her work, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she does kind of blast a little bit of American culture for being a little bit sex negative. Ooh. So she says that, you know, if you compare it to European culture, you get less of this sort of sexual neurosis or something from her. Yeah, previous- that, that's, that's a good word, actually. Yeah, less less neurosis there. She said some interesting things that come out like about aspects of masculinity too she said you know one of the problems with american culture is even for men she makes this joke of like uh if there weren't sports men would barely even have any physical contact at all (laughs) (laughs) that's totally true 
so the whole sports thing is like a substitution for men to actually have contact is kind of the idea of it yeah yeah so she does like you know we were talking a little bit more about uh some of her ideas about women and say some of the same things you know that whole you know pathological here right so she mentions these feelings of like the inability to be vulnerable and to like have contact the inability she meant to some of the things we were talking about earlier feelings of inadequacy fear of rejection sure these kinds of things you know she talks a little bit like how pornography is such a big thing and like the whole idea is that when you know you have like the image of women in pornography they're it's always a willing person they're always super into it there's you know so you know she talks about this feelings of like there's no reason in that fantasy to feel inadequate or fear rejection or she says even to feel like fear of like predatory feelings she said a lot of men are afraid of feeling that they're being predatory they don't want to feel predatory men don't want to feel predatory she says they don't want to yeah agreed they don't want to feel predatory and they're a little afraid of it you know you know, am I giving off a predatory vibe? Am I being predatory? Because they yeah. don't really want to be, you know, and that causes these sort of problems in men, especially where you don't have this ability to be more open, to be comfortable with touch, to be comfortable with emotional content. It causes a lot of problems for men too. It does because sometimes yeah. some people want you to be a little more aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and as you know, dude, we're just speaking honest, right? Like, yeah, as a as a dude, like you know, a, a dude who you know who has compassion and and cares for for the female species and whatnot like yeah i definitely don't it, I, I have changed you know especially over the last probably you know five or six years for sure like i don't want to even i don't even want to come off with that kind of vibe it's not that i'm not masculine it's not that i'm not strong man you know whatever it's just that like being associated with that kind of like that predatory nature is anti to who I am and what I'm trying to do in my entire life. So I don't even want to go, I don't even want to be in that the swimming pool with those kinds of yeah, people. I don't like that. I don't like that game. It's a kind of a game. If it's people are really playing it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Cause you're right. Sometimes people like to play that little bit of a game. Some people like it and it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a game, but I don't care yeah. that one person. Yeah. I don't like the vibe of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she said a really interesting thing about this whole thing that, and, you know, where uh, she has this phrase where she says she didn't want to have her kids be victims of the American system. <laughs> mm. Yeah, she has two boys she's trying to raise and she was just like, yeah, there's a lot of things that can go wrong with this, especially in terms of like relationship and more specifically even talking about sexuality, education about sexuality and stuff that this can really like screw people up. You know, and you get a lot of like kind of weird behavior, right? Mm-hmm. that will happen within them. people kind of know what to do with themselves right mm-hmm. yeah. that spoke to me though because you know we were talking about at the beginning of the episode just with my son i've had that thought a lot right i want to make my son's able to have like a healthy view of the world that's not in- influenced by the emotional play aspects of culture i don't want that right so that like rang bells in my head too when she was talking about that i was like yeah and her idea people kids should probably have like sex education started from the age of four mm. But like from the moment that you can start realizing that uh, she says, like the minute you can realize grandma could die, you also start saying, well, where does life come from? Hmm. And that like whole thing of that starts raising these questions for kids. So you should have something like that. Interesting. I don't know entirely what that would entail, but you know, she really says like, you know, there's like just things are being dropped the ball on this part of life and the culture too. 
which we probably agree with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. The closer getting into our, because you got to bounce a little bit, right? About five minutes. So the closer getting in, in, into our next episodes is, because we're going to be talking about Carl Jung next week. Ooh, uncle. Uh, one of our Uncle Carl's. And uh, <laughs> uh, Carl Jung and uh, Carl Rogers, my two personal favorite Uncle Carl's. <laughs> we'll talk about them a little bit from the psych side because we're trying to introduce some of these psychologists. We did that through Perel. And, and what about uh, uh, Uncle Carl, Carl from Jung. Family Matters? He's also... Is there an Uncle Carl from Family Matters? Which one was Family Matters? Is that the one with Urkel? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have to say, I never saw a single episode of that show. But you know Urkel. I'm not saying good or bad. I just never saw a single episode. Okay. Was it any good? I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember. I just, I just know that Dad's name was Carl, and they, you know, he was called Uncle Carl. Oh, was it really? Yeah. Okay. Um. It's funny these old shows, right? That are on in the background when you were a kid. You know, you know, you can't even remember if they were good or bad. I'm just like, okay, that shit was on. I don't you know. know. Standard, standard, um, sitcom, standard, right? Standard sitcom fare, right? Uh-huh. My son was watching that '70s show. Hmm. Like, I didn't watch a single episode of that show ever. You know, so I was just—he was watching it. And I was like, this is so weird. <laughs> you know, there's gonna be like this some strange show that'll have some vague recollection from you know right like, uh, 15 years from now remember that 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 whatever lame ass show was <laughs> maybe i'll have that experience yeah um anyway so the big thing here is talking about uncle carl uh carl jung will be non-monogamy so we'll be doing the more uh outside the box box subject matters going forward and so Esther does, Esther Pearl does talk about that too. And she says, yeah, probably this will be part of the future more. So mm-hmm. she's kind of making a little bit, the video I was watching with when I was looking at this was a little bit older, maybe like seven, eight years old or something. And um, uh, and she was saying, yeah, probably part of the future will be, you know, this being more of an accepted thing or something, mm-hmm. right? That non-monogamy will be part of life more for people. And she says it probably has a lot to do with just what I was talking about with, uh, you know, the, one of the people I was doing my research with, you know, probably depends on individual natures, you know? And she says, some people kind of probably have more curiosity or something, and they need to express that curiosity. And uh, so this will probably be like just part of how life will move forward. Because I think from her point of view, and this goes back to our whole idea of like trying to infuse this with a little bit of like Asian philosophy. These are evolving things. They're not permanent. Mm-hmm. They're obviously not permanent because they've changed so much, you know, in our lifetimes, even right. Mm-hmm. Changing a lot. And so, um, so she kind of sees this will be part of the future. Right. So look at what Carl Jung had to say about the starting next week. Okay. Um, in the conversations with Dan Savage, he was saying, you know, this is probably one of the main things that you can see where gay male relationships, especially, but maybe female relationships too, have been mm-hmm. different. Because the rules of the culture were more questioned, it wasn't always going to be assumed what the nature of people's relationships were going to be. And Dan Savage is kind of a famous as a you know political activist for uh, the gay community and, um, you know, gay marriage rights, right? But he himself was in like kind of like an open, you know, uh, you know, gay male relationship. And it was a little controversial, right? When he was like doing his things for marriage rights, because, you know, it almost seemed like, well, wait a minute, you're not doing marriage mm-hmm. <laughs> the way it's supposed to be done. What the hell? But he was like, no, this is still this thing where, you know, a lot of uh, uh, 
you know, gay couples will make these decisions. And because it's not assumed, you can renegotiate things, right? And uh, that's like probably something that's maybe part of the future or something. Mm. That's probably a good set for Carl Jung, right? I think so. Um, yeah, interesting. Okay, Perfect. cool. So I guess that's an episode. So we're set up to do uh, Carl Jung next week. Carl, it is. Hot Carl, if you will. What's that? I said hot Carl. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> it's coming out eventually, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, someone had to say it eventually. That's, that's right. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. We'll probably do it next week too, but that's okay. Uh all right, Eric. Yeah. As always, thank you so much. Uh audience, thank you for listening. For you know, whether today's your first episode or your hundredth or your third or whatever, you know, we appreciate it. We appreciate the feedback. Uh feel free to hit us up, gin and tantra at gmail.com. Hit us up on uh Instagram at Jin and Tantra. If you see the YouTube video, you know, like, comment, subscribe, all that stuff. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a review. It helps the show. Share with people whom you like and share with people whom you don't. Maybe we'll change them and you might actually like them. You know, you don't know. That's a good sell. Send it to all the people you don't like. Yes. Start annoying them. That's right. Spam. They either hate us and they'll be annoying for them or they might change their mind. You never know. You never know. But uh, we we appreciate the listenership. um, Definitely. And as always... For Eric, this is Daniel. We'll catch you in the next one. Peace. I want you to get together. I want you to get together. I want you to get together. I want you to get together.